This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Charlie Harari Show. Hope you had a great week. So much going on in the world, so much going on everywhere. I thought I would do something a little bit different for this week's podcast. Last week, I had the opportunity to fill in for Mike Opelka on the show, Pure Opelka. And on that show, we spoke about a couple of things that were really underlying why we are where we are. In particular, why Donald Trump is as popular as he is. And it's a stat that I saw that I think is the underlying reason for the entire election. It actually comes as a result of the eight years of the Obama legacy. We're going to be talking about that, and I spoke about that on this show. Also, talking about Facebook, social media, we have a great guest on, Jake Novak, a senior editorial columnist, speaking about strategy. It's an amazing show, and we've gotten some great feedback. And I thought to myself, why don't I just share it with you guys uh, on the podcast? So, hope you enjoy and here is the show I did on Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Opelka Show, Pure Opelka. It's an honor to be with you today. This is Charlie Harari filling in for Mike. What a great honor to be sitting in his chair, being able to speak to his incredible audience. He speaks so highly of you, and I feel honored to be sitting with you today. It happens to be a Friday, actually. It's Friday the 13th, which was an incredible way to get in to the city here, jam-packed. Who knows what will happen by the time the show is over, but it's great to be with you. Hope you're having a great weekend, and it's just wonderful to be able to speak to this audience. So much that I'm going to talk about this uh, show with you. Um, We're going to actually try to delve into a bunch of different issues and see if we can learn some lessons from what's happening in the world around us. We've got a big show planned for you. Again, this is Charlie Harari filling in for Mike, and uh, let's jump right in. And, you know, I got to tell you, and I am constantly, constantly amazed by where we are in the presidential election. I know you've heard about this only a bajillion times in your life, but I can't imagine going a day without trying to figure out just where the country is going, the direction, and how is it that we ended up where we are right now? I don't know if there is a pundit or a expert or a professor or a guy in a bar that could ever have predicted. I wish there was a story about a guy somewhere that put a dollar on the odds that right now we would be deciding between Donald Trump and a battered Hillary Clinton, right? Seven months ago, when this campaign season sort of began, and you had 17 people lining the Republican national stage, nobody, I thought, would have have expected Donald Trump, including Donald Trump, to have emerged. I've got a friend of mine who has a lot of colleagues with Donald, and he mentioned to me that one time when Donald first started running, he was talking to somebody, and he almost sort of shrugged his shoulder and says, let's see where this goes. Like, I don't think even Donald expected to be where he is right now. And nobody for sure would have thought that Hillary Clinton right now would be doing anything other than just 
accepting a bouquet of flowers over the past few months and sort of waving to the crowd, kissing babies and signing autographs as she was coronated or she should have been coronated as the Democratic Messiah. But yet that's not what happened. You had Bernie Sanders beating and, and he just won't go away. I mean, just he just won't ever leave. And he is just climbing and crawling and battling Hillary. And even when she emerges, which she will, to become the Democratic nominee, she's going to emerge scarred. And you're, you're going to see an exodus of young people that would have been behind her that may come back because they may be anti-Trump. But for the most part, they're going to be disillusioned with the Democratic Party, thanks to Bernie Sanders. So you have this world of candidates that have emerged on the scene that seem to defy all reason and expectation. It seems, if you will, even irrational. And why is that? So lots and lots of reasons. But I found what I think is the reason. And I, I don't, it may be obvious to you when I say it, but I have, over the past week, seen a stat that has shifted the way I think. You know, I got to tell you, when I was first getting married... I was a young guy. I got married young. And I remember going to my dad's store. My dad has a pizza store. And I love going to my dad's store. Sometimes because he sits around with some of his buddies. You know that like, can you picture that scene of like, you know, 60-year-old guys sitting around the pizza store and just talking about life and shop and, you know, politics. And I'm sure they think they can control the world. You know what I'm talking about? Like if we were running the world, those guys. So sitting around and I just had gotten, you know, engaged and I came into the store and I turned to my dad and his friends and I asked them like, you know, I'm getting married and, you know, obviously you know that and, you know, give me some marital advice. So I'll never forget, you know, my father's friends, he's got like one like, you know, crusty old friend that's got all every single marriage joke in, in the world. He looks at me and he says, son, if you want to have a successful marriage, you got to remember four words and you tell these four words to your wife every day you will be happy i'm thinking four words four i thought i love you was three words he looked at me and said you're right i'm sorry i'm thinking what he goes if you tell your wife every day you're right i'm sorry you will have a happy life i said to him as a young naive kid i said but what if i'm right in which he looked at me and he's like yeah good luck Right, So that was the level of my advice that I was getting from these guys. So one guy turned to me and gave me what is maybe the best advice I've gotten in marriage. I, I, this I've been using every single day, married almost 20 years. He said to me, many times you're having an argument with your wife. And sometimes it's obvious what you're arguing about, right? You can have a divergence of opinions. That's okay. Sometimes you're looking at her and you're going, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> who cares that I left the drawers open. Like, who cares that I didn't say that this was delicious? Who cares that I forgot this, you know, date on the calendar that I didn't realize was important because it wasn't your birthday and an anniversary and I can't remember more because I happen to be a man and I don't understand what's driving you nuts. And he said to me, if you think she's being irrational, it's most probably because there's a different reason why she's upset. It's not the conversation, it's something else. And... Good marriages are where spouses know that if the other party is being irrational, there's some other cause for that irrationality. And maybe she feels disrespected. And maybe because last week you did this. And maybe because of there could be a bunch of reasons that are causing her or him, for that matter, 
depending on where you are on the spouse side, to act and to be upset about one thing or to make positions that are seemingly to you irrational. Great marriages are when the spouse is able to look at the real underlying cause and not get stuck in the weeds of a conversation that is going wrong and you don't know why it's coming from. I got to tell you, I've been using that bit of advice forever. And, and try it. Try it for a week. I know that Mike gives you the word of the week. Try this little bit of advice for the week. Try whenever you're in a conversation this week and the person across you is acting irrational, try to look for some other reason that's causing them to do what they do, whether that's your spouse or your kids or your in-laws or your parents or your roommates, whoever it is that you're interacting with. Try. So I've been using that my whole life. And it took me until I saw this stat time to understand why is it that I believe the country is acting irrationally in this presidential election. I don't think anybody would have thought that the rational choice for president would have been Donald Trump on the Republican side. He's not even really a Republican. He's not even a conservative. I don't think that that's a shock. I don't think that he himself would say that he's a conservative. He's said many times this conservative thing is sort of not the point. There's a bigger point here, and let's stop worrying about it, and that is make America great. But he has no time in politics. He has no job in politics. He has no experience in a political system, and yet he is literally destroying every single opponent in front of him. He is, it's unbelievable. He is like walking around with this Donald Trump sword and just cutting the heads off of every single opponent that stands in his way, and it's as if he is impenetrable. You know, he comes out with some statement. The world goes crazy on him. He is tweeting basically, you know, sort of remarks that if he were in high school, he would have been called into this, the principal's office for being a bully. And the world and the country, he's walking into states, north, south, east, west, and he's just dominating the polls. It's unbelievable, don't you think? I mean, everyone goes south. I'm like, well, it's the south. When he goes to the northeast, they're going to know. Then he goes northeast. They go, well, it's the northeast. Then it's the Midwest. Then he goes to the Midwest. He goes to the evangelical areas, the areas that are much more Christian. And they go, well, once he gets there, Ted Cruz doesn't do that. Then he goes to Florida. And they go, well, it's Marco Rubio territory. He beats him there. And he just keeps on going place after place. And they, you can't even get it. You can't even get in to his rallies. There's so many people protesting outside. And yet when you get inside, it's like you can't believe it. It's irrational, isn't it? Isn't it irrational to think that on the Democratic side, you've got an 80-year-old senator from Vermont that is basically an unknown, who is a self-proclaimed socialist that has exploded on the scene? Like, doesn't that, doesn't that seem to be irrational? How is it that the country is making these decisions with the presidency on the line? And so we, we're just going back and forth, right? And it's because of this, and it's because of that, because this polling place and that polling place and this principle and that policy and this policy. And it hit me that I got to use the advice of my dad's buddy in the pizza store. When people are acting or when someone's acting irrationally, sometimes the cause has nothing to do with what the argument's about. The cause is something totally totally different. When we come back, we're going to talk about what that cause is, what the stat, I think, is the number one reason why Donald Trump is killing in the polls. I think he'll end up winning it all because of it, and why Bernie Sanders is winning as well. This is all coming up 
When we come back, this is Charlie Harari filling in for Mike Opelka, and this you're listening to Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Opelka Show. Welcome to Pure Opelka. This is Charlie Harley filling in for Mike today. Great to be with you today. I actually am honored to have a podcast as well on the network. If you want to check it out, it's the Charlie Harari Show. You can just check out my podcast there. Um, but it's great to be here filling in for Mike. And last segment, we spoke a little bit about what is the rationality of American politics today and why is that we're going for people that shouldn't, isn't the, really the rational choice. What is the driver Behind all this, speaking about a little bit of marital advice that I got, which is if you're in a conversation of people acting irrationally, there's another cause for it. It may not just be because of what's in front of you, maybe something totally deeper. And I believe in America today it is. And this is a stat that I saw this week that blew me out of the water. And here it is. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, reported that one in six millennial men that is, men between the ages of 18 and 34, are either jobless or in jail. Let that sink in for a minute. The young generation, the generation in which you're supposed to be working, right? These aren't retirees. These aren't baby boomers. These aren't senior citizens. These aren't high school children. We're talking about the prime age group of work, 18 to 34 years old. The, the time in our country's life where... The, the, the generation that starts families and starts laying roots and starts building careers that has been in existence forever in our country. The youth that has taken over the workforce, the millennial men, 16% of them are either unemployed or in jail. You want to know why Donald Trump is killing it for him? Because who cares about politics? People don't have any money. People don't have any hope. People don't have any future. It's about the economy. And when you pull away somebody's chance of a livelihood, which is so much deeper than just dollars and cents, right? Because there are governmental programs to help. There are things that you can do. But when you pull away somebody's chance to influence their future, to build a better life for, their fam- for themselves and for their family, to be in control of their destiny. This is what America is founded on. This is what we built. This is how it happened. This is why we left England. This is everything that we stand for is the ability to roll up our sleeves and make our future better than our past. That's the American dream. When 16% of your youth can't find a job, and I'm not even talking about underemployment. 
I'm not even talking about the, all the people that are working that are working that are, are making a quarter of what they should be making. Or you're in, or they're in jail. That's the cause. That's it. Forget everything else. What we're focused on right now, what is underlying the irrationality of this presidential election, is the fact that our economy is not allowing young people to work. Check out this clip that I saw from a a newfound Trump supporter. What I liked about this one clip is that she is clearly registered, so to speak, in her life as a Democrat, and she's converted, if you will. Listen to what she says. In the beginning, you'll get all the banter and the, you know, make Trump again, stop, make great America great again nonsense, but then you'll get into why is she really voting for Trump? Listen to this. Trump gives me real hope and change, not fake hope and change. I vote for America because I believe in Trump, and that's why I vote for Trump, because I believe in America. I never thought I'd be saying these words about the country, our country. What? I'm a Democrat. Nobody, Democrats don't speak about the country, but I've woken up, I've seen the truth, and the truth is Trump, I believe in this guy to make our country better because our country is going to hell. My daughter can't find a job. She's a college graduate. Black men are 50% unemployed. Our borders are wide open. You hear that? Isn't that amazing, right? Why is she voting for Trump? Because she's got kids that are unemployed. Because she's looking around to her community and seeing that 50% of the men, the young men in her community are going to jail. She's looking around and going, the young have no hope. This is not the the America that I, I bought into. I didn't work my tail off to give my kids this. When there's no jobs, when I can't make my future, I'm going to vote for whoever it is. But there's another clip that I want you to hear. And this is from a coal miner out in West Virginia. Listen to what he says in terms of why he's voting for Donald Trump. I have two kids, a three-year-old little girl and a nine-month-old little boy. So this means a whole great deal to me because without my job, I can't provide for my family. I can't put food on the table. And being cut back the way it is, we can't. It's a struggle every single day just to make ends meet from week to week. It's literally paycheck to paycheck, and then it's not even enough. Well, let's just put it this way. Hillary Clinton says we're going to shut you down. Bernie Sanders says the same thing. Then you got Donald Trump says we're going to put you back to work. We're going to save your jobs. I mean, that means a whole lot to us. Whether it's true or not, the man's the first one to stand up and say we are going to put you back to work. That sound familiar? Right? You've got an African-American woman in one part of the country saying we got no jobs. We're going to jail. And you've got a coal, a white coal miner from a different part of the country saying I got little kids at home. I don't care about anything else but this. If you're going to let me feel like I've got security in my employment, like I can take care of my family, then I'm here. I'll vote for whoever it is that'll get up and say that. Because at the end of the day, for us to be able to make decisions in life, for us to be able to see a future that's going to engage in debate, that's going to lead the, the world, we have to come from a place of, of, of power, right? of security. When you look at environments that are struggling economically, what you see is hopelessness, right? You see drugs. You see abandoned buildings. You see activities that lead one to jail. You see broken families and marriages. As soon as people can't control or can't influence their future, 
what the result is, is hopelessness. Hopelessness is what leads people to make rash, irrational decisions. Hopelessness is why people will walk into a rally and have someone say, make America great. And they'll say, yeah, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if you're going to do it. But the fact that you're saying it, I'm behind you. Because it's about time that someone says, I can get hope again. You know, when Marco Rubio would get up there and say, this is the party of Lincoln and Reagan, blah, blah, blah. When Ted Cruz, who I staunchly supported, I liked him. I wanted him to be, you know, in full disclosure, I was hoping that it would be Ted Cruz. He's up there explaining different conservative principles and why Donald doesn't fit into the mold. When when Jeb Bush was out there saying that he didn't support, you know, his brother, when when John Kasich is up there being, you know, sort of the moderator on it, it, it that's all good for a time of, of, of plenty. That's all good for a time where, you know, people feel like, you know, they can support themselves and they could bring America to where it needs to be. But when you're sitting at a time where there's no hope, where people feel broken, where parts of this country feels like, I don't know how I'm going to support my own family. And all that stuff sort of goes away. And what's left is a guy who can just promise you the future. No matter what he says to everybody else. That's what's happening today. Well, why is it that we're in this situation? We'll talk about it. We come back. You're listening to The Mike Pelka Show. And this is Pure Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Patents Do. I don't care what their stance is on marriage, uh, it's Chick fil A. I mean, if their stance was they want everyone in your family dead, you still go there. I, yeah, I'd like a I'd like a chicken sandwich with cheese and a chocolate shake, please, large. Mm-hmm. And if, yes, if I want a whipped cream you, and cherry. Sir, if you walk into our store, we're going to murder you. You'd still walk into the store. I'd not go through the drive-thru. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome to the Mike Opelka Show. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Charlie Harari filling in for Mike today. It's an honor to be here uh, for Mike. Uh, a lot going on in the world, and mostly I think it, what dominates every single headline is the presidential elections. And this is our country, and the president's is a little bit of an important job. So I think it's I think it's appropriate for us as Americans to spend time on it. I, I I'm honored that we get the chance to to really have these conversations because it speaks a lot about us, right? This is where we get to find ourselves. You know, when you look at the presidential process, I was talking to a, um, a, a friend of mine from Canada. He's like, you know, we just went through an election. It lasted for like 15 minutes. You know, like in Canada, they're like, you know, over the weekend, they're like, yeah, we're going to get rid of, you know, our long-term prime minister. And then like, to, in his words, not mine, he's like, and then like he gets voted out and like he goes to the work the next day, like on Monday, like he picks up his laptop and like he goes away. Like he's like, you Americans are obsessed. And I'm like, yeah, we are a little bit because I think we're very much of a celebrity culture. We like our celebrities. We are 
actually it's news what a Kardashian does is news here. Like it's like actual news. Like, you know, Kim Kardashian got a haircut and that's like on the news in between, you know, president goes to China to talk about trade and somebody, God forbid, gets killed. And in between that is Kim Kardashian takes a selfie with her with less clothes because we just are so celebrity obsessed um, and that I think is one of the reasons, but I think another reason and what I I'm hoping for is it allows us to sort of mirror how we're doing, right? It allows us to sort of take a, a minute and figure out like what's happening in our country and in our culture and what are our values and what do we stand for? I think it's eye opening for anybody, um, to see a guy like Donald Trump go through some of the more faith based areas being a faith guy myself. I can tell you that I never in a million years would have thought that Donald Trump would have done as well as he has done in some of the more um, faith-based areas. Because as someone of faith, it scares me terribly um, to what what we have here. Um, And yet you see it just totally just sort of changing and people making decisions. And the reason I think, and we spoke about this in, you know, earlier in the hour is because of the economic situation. So I want to delve a little bit with you today to talk about why that is. And if you look at it from a larger perspective, and one of the things I'm going to try to do today on the show, and every one of my shows, and if you listen to my podcast, you'll see this, is every little bit of news deserves a lesson that we can take away in life. It's not just about looking out to the headlines and seeing it and saying, okay, awesome, let's talk about the news and let's keep it on our on our table with our papers. If we don't walk away with something that we can make our lives better, it's almost less valuable, if you will. And what we're looking at today is a failure of a way of life. And we're suffering from it. And I want to like point it out a little bit. The reason I believe for the explosion of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders is that they're both the same candidate, right? They're both saying, look how bad things are and we're going to change it. Donald Trump is saying, make America great. And it's because of the Muslims and because of the Mexicans and because of the immigrants and because of China and because of, let me point like 20 fingers and say, leadership is a disaster. I'm here. It's going to be great. And everyone's like, okay, well, I don't have a job, and, and, and it's serious, and I don't have a job, and I, I don't care about anything else. I care about supporting my family, and, and you're going to help me do that, then great. You know, you get a bunch of college kids, and if you've seen enough interviews with the college kids, as I have, you'll see, it's still the same thing. You'll see all these guys saying, I don't have any real faith in our country. I'm so sick and tired of growing up in a world where we're, we're always taking a backseat, and we are taking a backseat. Barack Obama, we may, if we have time, get to this later on in the show, just how Barack Obama and his administration is destroying our ability to be a military leader in the world by neutering our defense companies, by abandoning our allies across the world and showing everybody that we are too hesitant to make any moves to protect our allies around the world. We're so used to looking around and getting our backside handed to us, watching Iran sign a deal, having our president sort of clap and tell everybody this is the future of peace and going back in Arabic and saying, this guy is a complete moron, never doing anything, they're the devil and this is over. And, and us going, hi, we can see the news. Why would you do this for? And you grow up in that world and you start to see America as less than it was maybe 20 years ago. And Russia's coming in and sticking it to us and China's coming in and sticking it to us. And the Middle East is, you know, sort of not needed us as much as it used to be. And, you know, you're even a college kid. You get a little bit of that. And you go, I want to be part of greatness. I don't get any jobs lining up for me. No one's hiring. Jobs are moving out. 
And I, I want to be part of something. And I, when I come out of college, why do I want to live with my, 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 my parents? You know, I saw a stat that in New York City, New York City, the place of economic growth, there's some stat like close to 50% of kids under 25 live with mom and dad. Who wants to live with mom and dad at 25? People don't live with mom and dad when they're 15 because they can't afford it. And the kids are seeing that. Donald Trump's promising something. They're going with Donald Trump. If you don't believe in Donald Trump, then Bernie Sanders is saying, hey, 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 I got the answer. You know what the answer is? Just kill the banks and put more money into your pockets and I'll give everything for free. Here's my, here's, it's, he's Grandpa Bernie. They got candy here. Everyone want candy? I got free candy for everybody. So college is free and your loans are free and everything is free and the government is free. We'll just take the money. You know who had the money? All the rich guys have the money. Let's take the money from rich people. But it's all the same thing. They want money. Why is this for? And I think the real reason is is because we've shifted away from a system that America has been built on, which is each person has the strength to build their own future. And the job of government should really be to facilitate that growth, to help people be able to play by the rules in order to get more people up and working and responsible. And what you're finding today is the result of a decade of policy that has sucked away the jobs of our countrymen because they're pursuing an agenda of give more entitlements, create a bigger deficit, support more free programs, and as a result, make it harder and harder and harder on the economy to support itself. Right? If you notice something, right? There used to be a time where manufacturing jobs was a part and parcel of our future. Where are all those manufacturing jobs? Where'd they go? So they went to China, they went overseas, and so the easier answer is because of because it's just they're greedy corporations, right? Let's blame the guys in the in the in, in the C suite. But is that really the case? Is that really the reason why they're leaving? Maybe the reason why they're leaving is because the most taxed area in the world economy is the United States. Businesses pay more taxes in the United States than about anywhere else in the world. And I'm all for trying to make our country safe and trying to make our country right. But the fact that we are constantly increasing regulations on every single business, go to a manufacturing plant, they can't keep 200 people because every person costs more money. Obamacare, you go to any business, you get a certain amount of people working a certain amount of hours. You got to do all these different things. I have friends that are working in companies that are hovering under the 50 because they don't want to increase the costs. The government is taxing the heck out of our companies. You know why? Because they got to fill that, that huge, huge bank called government money. They got to support all these programs, all this stuff. When you shift to a system where you give away things for free, who's paying for it? Well, companies are. Well, companies can't pay for it, so what they do is they go overseas. So now who gets hurt? That's right. The average man gets hurt. And what you're seeing here is a complete and utter shift of what America was once to what America is today, which is sucking away from the ability for each and every one of us to create our future by creating a system where Government gets more and more and more and more money that it can give out because it wants to get back in the party. They want to win elections. When we come back, I'm going to share with you a stat that when I sort, I nearly fell off my chair. 
just to show you just how garbagey is that a word garbagey just how terrible it is in washington today and just why people are so upset you're listening to pure opelka the michael Opelka show and this is charlie harari we'll be right back you're listening to pure opelka with mike opelka on the blaze radio network Jay Severin. I mean, I have to imagine that his mailbox may be, you know, rife with messages that say, how could you turn on Ted Cruz like this? And, you know, I, I, if Glenn were in the business of explaining everything he said, and he's not, he might say, I didn't endorse him. I made a prediction. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome to the Mike Opelka Show. This is Pure Opelka. Charlie Harari filling in for Mike today. Honored to be here. Honored to talk to you. We're speaking about irrational decision-making based on economic devastation, which is where we are in right now. And I want you to pay attention to it. I want you to really, for a couple of days, just pay attention, and you will see a picture in America that people are not talking about enough. The fact that our government over the past decade moved from a system that was supposed to be pro-capitalism, pro-individual, pro-small business, pro-entrepreneur, to a system that is pro-government spending, pro-bailing people out, pro-increasing programs, pro-getting elected. And you see time and again, we have moved towards pro-tech, which is a nice, sexy place to put your money. But guess what, what? what's nice about the tech industry? It doesn't really require a lot of people, right? It's a tech industry. So tech's doing great. Real estate's doing great because we're big real estate guys in New York and the world. But the real heart and blood of America is getting killed. It's getting killed by politics. And I saw a stat this week that literally, if, when you hear this, I, I, I fell off my chair. And anybody with a heart, when they hear this, I think it's going to feel the same. So as you know, there's been a huge movement from lots of the Democratic senators and congressmen to increase the wage hikes for minimum wage workers, which I'm not taking a position on here. Fast food workers are not making enough to live, and let they, sh- they should. And that what that does is a whole other story, but that, that's not for now. But senators and congressmen are pushing real hard to get minimum wage hikes for fast food work- workers across the country, right? Why? So you may say, because they're, they're, they've got a heart, right? This is what it's about. And, uh, yeah, politics, 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 but like, you know what? People have to live. Right, it's okay. It costs the, their employees a little bit more money, which may cause them to fire people. All right, we're not thinking that far. Either way, we eat, we should be increasing the pay of those people around the country that are supporting their families, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. And if there's a senator that believes in that, I'm behind that senator or congressman. But check out this stat that I saw this week. You ready? There was a bill on paying our troops. Our troops. The young men and women that leave their families to protect the freedom that we enjoy, a they wanted to increase the pay for the troops between 1.6 and 2.1%. 2% more pay for our military. 
And these same senators and congressmen who voted to increase the minimum wage for fast food workers, you ready for this? Voted down the increase for our troops. Why in the world would you be pro fast food workers and not pro troops? What did the troops do that didn't deserve a pay hike? They don't have families to support? They're not out doing valuable work? And the reason, my friends, is because of what you get when government takes too much control. Because the people that vote for the senators that are pro the fast food workers are not the same people that vote for the, the, the troops typically vote very differently. And so if you're a congressman or a senator and you want to get reelected, you're going to go make sure that your base gets what it needs. But for the base that doesn't support you, well, then it is what it is. You know, we do have a deficit, you know. And that is really why people are, wake, are standing in line for Donald Trump. It's because our government has managed time and again to show us that it has failed to deliver the economic stability that we need. Too much government is destroying us. If you look at our, our education system, you see it right then and there. We are basically incapable when, when you graduate high school to take any real job of any level of high sophistication unless you're a unique person. And in, 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 why is that? Why do you have a guy? Why do you have a kid in your in your realm for twelve years, and you can't teach them enough to compete in the global economy? It's because most of it's because it's dominated by teacher unions, and teachers need to get paid, and teachers need to make sure that they're going to stay around. And even if the education isn't as great as it could be, they're trying. But you know, for the most part, there's no one really holding their feet to the fire. And this is painting a picture. And, and, you know, we open the hour with trying to figure out well, what is the rationality of Trump and Sanders. And can't you see it now? Can't you get it? If you're sitting here in the middle of America and the government is voting for one versus the other, if the education is not delivering, if all we really are thinking about is filling our tax chests and, and, war, and, and not creating an environment for the individual to succeed, for the guy, mom and pop, the pizza stores, my dad, your dad. The manufacturing workers? When you have a world like that, yeah, you're going to find that our young generation can't find a job. And you're going to find that people are coming in. And by the way, when you talk about six of the millennials, it's not just 16% of one demographic. They all have parents. Many of them have spouses. Some of them have kids. They've got siblings. What do you think they're feeling when they go out and vote? They're saying, look what happened to my kid. Look what happened to my brother. Look what happened to my husband, my wife. This is the environment that we're in. So what do we got to do about it? And the answer is we got to take control of our own lives in that way. We got to realize that it is government sometimes trying to overreach that sends us way back where we are. We got to realize, even when you're looking around, as you see the headlines this week, take a look and just see for yourself. You can email me. What's hope? And how's that playing in? We come back. We're actually going to talk to a senior correspondent about Trump's strategy, the Trump-Ryan meeting that took place yesterday in Washington, and a little bit more about what hope is and what we can do to become better people ourselves. It's all coming up. You're listening to Pure Opelka, and this is Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
The Jeff Fisher Show. So a store in Owensboro, Kentucky, decided that, uh, you know what? We're not going to take sweaty money anymore. And they put a sign on the door. Due to rising temperatures, we will not be accepting boob or sock money. This is going to be the beginning of we don't need cash anymore. Man, you want to talk about putting some people out of business, out of tip money. I mean, people aren't putting prepaid debit cards into the underwear straps and on the boob straps of the dancers. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Mike Opelka Show. Welcome to Pure Opelka. This is Charlie Harari filling in for Mike today. Great to be with you again. Thanks so much. Hour two. Hour one, we spoke a lot about the Trump candidacy and why it is that people are going there. And I think it's a little economic. Um, We spoke about that. And hour two, we're going to really dive into a little bit of strategy. Because as you noticed, Donald Trump, I would think, or I I would, would have thought, that Donald Trump would have moved to the conservative base after he won the nomination, or so to speak, won the nomination. But yet what we found this week was there was a little bit of a back and forth forth between him and the more conservative parts of the Republican Party. Well, they had a little bit of a feud with Paul Ryan, um, and they made up a little bit yesterday on Thursday uh, when Mr. Trump went to Washington. But this is a lot more than meets the eye, as it always is. Joining me now is Jake Novak, a national editorial columnist with, uh, you've, you've seen some of his work, or you can, on Yahoo, on CNBC. He actually wrote a great column you can check out on Yahoo about the Ryan-Trump meeting. Uh, Jake, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Charlie. So can you give us a little color here? Because I would have thought that Donald Trump would have been much more focused on the conservative side of the camp, and he comes out early on, basically says, I don't need you guys. And then over the course of the week, they have a little bit of a back and forth, and he ends up meeting Paul Ryan. And even after the meeting, they're not like, okay, we're best friends, right? He's like, well, we can work at this out a little bit. What's... Trump thinking what what strategy is he employing now to get him to win the general well remember this is the guy who wrote the art of the deal and right now I mean I hope you have some amateur political scientists uh, in, in the audience listening because what we're going through right now is probably the most public and probably the most fascinating political deal making that we've seen and, and again it's so public because of the way the news media is now and the way social media is now and it's a deal. It's a deal that, and both, and like all deals, uh, both sides are coming in with things that they want and things that they don't want um, to cut to, to, to from either side. And in the case of Trump, you know, ask what his motivations are. Trump needs the money. I mean, let's let's just get right down to it. He needs the money. Um, he is a very wealthy man, but he doesn't have a lot of liquid uh, assets. Uh, and he, whatever he's done to self-fund his campaign so far, which is debatable. Now he's going to have to really need some big cash. I mean, to fly the airplane all across the country, to really make the kind of general election campaign that you make, he's going to need the Republican National Committee's money. So that's what he needs. And Paul Ryan, who's really a man of ideas, really is a man of conservative ideology, he needs Trump to come a little bit closer home uh, on this, on that. You know, I don't think that he can expect Trump to be, to parrot the, the Paul Ryan and Republican talking points from top to bottom. Anyone who's expecting Trump to do that would be a fool. But I think Ryan would like to see him come closer back to the reservation. Mm-hmm. So why was it that he took if he was trying to get to the reservation, why would he begin by disenfranchising the base? Well, 
look, you know, I'm a, a movement conservative. That's what I believe. I believe in the kinds of principles and the talking points or whatever you want to call the philosophies of the conservative movement. But I, knowing that, I have to say that there's just not enough of those voters out there to win a general election. The country has shifted ideologically in a big way over the last 20 years, 10 years, certainly over the last eight years under President Obama. And anyone who's running a straight conservative uh, type of campaign, not only could they not win the general election, but it was pretty clear they couldn't win the primaries either. I mean, even most Republicans now don't seem to be all in line with the conservative ideology. So Trump, to win, really needs to change that. And this is very similar to what Bill Clinton did in 1992. He saw all those blowout losses that Democrats had in presidential elections in the 70s and the 80s. And he realized that the same old Democratic talking points weren't going to work. And so he moved to the right on a couple of major, major issues, whether it was the death penalty or even gun ownership. And certainly when it came to trying to yell, shout down some of the more radical elements of the party, and that got him the victory. And I think Trump, whether he realizes it or not, is following that playbook a little bit, not as quietly and as reservedly as Bill Clinton did. But Trump realizes that if you just go with the Republican base and the usual conservative voters, you're not going to win. Interesting. So, I mean, what, what is what's amazing is that the two candidates left was really people that just represented two completely different ideologies. Right? You've got a guy like Ted Cruz who survived to the end, mm-hmm. um, who really went, I guess, more right. Yes. And then a guy like Donald Trump who survived to the end and ended up winning that went left. And Trump is right now saying if you what I'm hearing you say is that his play is I'm going to go left or go center, if you will. I would even say he's probably going even beyond the center. And so, in some of his issues, and as the Bay starts to sort of get upset, I'll sort of offer an olive branch and say, "Hey guys, I still respect you and like you, and maybe we can work together." But any real conservative should not in any way think that he's going to come back and adopt the conservative principles. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's not enough for him to win. I mean, again, I believe the conservative principles are the best principles for this country, but not enough of the voters do. And, you know, we've had a real weird thing going on, Charlie, in this in American history. We've really had four consecutive, very close elections relative to the way they are in American history in this country. Now, those four, you know, when you really have these really kinds of close elections, things, things don't get resolved. You know, landslides have a way of washing out what doesn't work and, and giving everybody a stark sign of what we need to change, what they need to change. And we've had all these close elections in a row. And because of that, it's it'll been harder to tell what works and what doesn't work. But I have to say, it's becoming more and more clear that a straight-down-the-line kind of conservative message isn't going to work in the voting public. I think it's because the news media is really stacked up against conservatives. Social media is really stacked up, for the most part, against conservatives. There's opportunities there for conservatives to kind of level that playing field. But so far, it's not with them. Of course, we've seen that this week with what happened with the Facebook story and how they're trending against conservative stories. You know, it's interesting that you say that because... I'm saying to myself, and maybe because of the way I see the world, you got eight years of Barack Obama, and you're looking at a, a, an economy that is literally in turmoil. You've got a disaster economically. One in six millennials don't have a job. You're talking about a, a, a global presence that has been diminished. On all accounts, I think that the Obama administration has not delivered the change, yes, we can you know, mantras that he expressed. So I would think that the country now says, hey, wait a second. Okay, we went left. We thought this was going to work. We thought we, we cheered, yes, we can. And apparently he can't. Let's try it right. Like, let's let's go from Jimmy Carter to Ronald Reagan. 
Um, and we and if you look at the Reagan, even the Clinton, because Clinton really wasn't. I, and to your point, I don't think he was a left Democrat. I think he was a center, especially on his fiscal policies. Yeah, and then absolutely. Bush. You've got an, 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 the, the greatest boom years of the, of the economy in Republican, if you were, or center-right hands. Why in the world? Is it because of Facebook? Is it because of social media? Why in the world would the country not be going, okay, we tried it left, didn't work. We should be trying it right, because why wouldn't this work? Well, you know, the country isn't so historically uh, astute as you are. <laughs> they don't really remember how going right kind of helps it. They don't remember that. They're talking, we're talking about young people. Uh, you know, the, the, the millennials now are the largest single population in the country. They've now outnumbered the baby boomer, boomers. And they don't really have a memory of that. And they certainly didn't have a great education when it comes to those kinds of things. And also, again, social media is a great way. If, if that's your point of reference, if that's your point of reference for all the news and all of your history, you don't know anything about Ronald Reagan. You don't know anything about Bill. Clinton and the centrism and the, the, the you know what I consider to be some of his good fiscal policies. You know this is a man, Bill Clinton, who cut the capital gains tax drastically, right. and Obama right. erased most of those capital gains cuts. Not 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 completely, but he erased quite a bit of them. This is a man in Bill Clinton who forced welfare recipients to to do some kind of work, and he put a time limit on welfare, which really helped boost um, uh, minimum wage jobs in this country. People started really going into these jobs, and Obama gutted those requirements. So, but you know, you and I know that, but I don't think most of the country knows that, and certainly not the millennials. So it's a combination of all those things. But in the case of Trump, this is somebody who, in some cases, he's gone further to the right than conservatives. I mean, he wants no trade deals. He wants, uh, uh, you know, bar people from the country. Uh, there have been things that he's gone even further to the right. He's, he's all over the map because a straight-down-the-line conservative or liberal messaging is not something that he thinks he can ride to a victory, and he's probably right on that. So, so your prediction, what happens in the next... Um, next few months as we go, you know, into the summer and out into into really the general election sort of blitz. Trump, in your opinion, what does he do with the Republicans? What does he do with the conservative base? What does he do with the pure conservatives that are, you know, some of them are leading the Trump, you know, the never Trump movement. And I would I would say what what is his greatest challenge? And this could be why he's even playing nice with Paul Ryan and why he didn't just call him you know, whatever. Why? Why he didn't nickname Paul? Because I'm thinking, why didn't he just give Paul Ryan a nickname? Isn't that yeah. what happens when you say anything <laughs> against Donald Trump? You get a nickname. So, yeah. I mean, is is it because he knows that should the conservatives nominate a third party candidate, he's done for because of the uh, the split of the vote? What What, what is Trump going to do to woo? the conservatives in the next few months. Yeah, well, this is going to be an exciting negotiation. I think it'll be more like the next few weeks, not the next few months, where we'll see this play out, this entire deal-making process. It's really interesting. I think from the point of view, the, the big, so again, you know, when it comes to deals, there's usually some kind of a deadline, like when, a, when, a, when a, you have a professional strike in a professional sports league or something like that, you know, they, they, want to, they don't want to lose the playoffs or a World Series or things like that. When those things do happen, it's a disaster. So, but in this case, I think the real meter that we're going to really need to follow on who's going to come out ahead in this deal and who's going to get more of what he wants and is are the polls. Now right now Donald Trump is really enjoying a boost in the polls, which I think is very, very expected. You know, once you start, you know, he, once he clearly wrapped up the Republican nomination, at least from a conventional standpoint, and has the most delegates, he's about to get the most, he's about to get what he needs, the minimum, and everyone else dropped out, you get a little bit of a boost in the polls. That just always happens. So I think these next, next week or so, maybe even two weeks or so of his boost in the polls, that's expected. But if after we get to June 1st, he's still experiencing this boost in the polls and is within two and three points of Hillary Clinton or even leading her, then he's going to come out ahead in this deal. Then Ryan will be willing to compromise much more of his conservative principles because he has a chance at a winner in Trump. And that'll be the case. If not, 
Trump will start, if, Trump, if Trump's polls numbers start to weaken and, and, and fall from this bubble in the next few weeks, you'll see Trump coming back to the reservation a lot more. You'll see him clarifying a lot of his statements about trade. You'll see him clarifying a lot of statements about taxes. And he'll be much more on the conservative reservation. So watch the polls. The polls will tell you everything you need to know about this negotiation, because right now, that's going to be the judge. Amazing. And i got to tell you, from this whole situation, watching the rise of Paul Ryan has been fascinating to me. Seeing a guy who has really outplayed every single step of this to become where he is, to not endorse Trump, to have that courage to get out there and not just get on a bandwagon, to not even come out and endorse him you know, after the meeting, but to just continuously play this. He is the best, I think, at playing like, you know, yeah, hard to get. I mean, he was probably a heart. Th- I mean, he must have. Just, he is so good at, well, I'm not that interested. And, in, you know, you know, come on, come and you know, court me and woo me. Um, but Jake's going to stay, uh, stay with us for a little bit. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about America's presence in the larger global world in terms of how the government today has been basically taking us down from national leadership and what's going to be going on this week in Congress with some of the hearings on our defense companies. This is all coming up. You're listening to Michael Pelka, and this is Charlie Harari on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Pure Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. It's about the garden. It's not about me. I don't want to collect my urine. Okay, you're going to have to explain yeah. why collecting your urine is for your garden. There's a little more to it than just... The aminals be getting in my garden, or I'm afraid they will like last year, and someone said, if you sprinkle it, you know, the wave, it'll mark your territory. Someone said. That sounds like a great, reliable source. <laughs> the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Mike Opelka Show. This is Pure Opelka. Charlie Harari filling in for Mike. I got Jake Novak on the line here. Jake is a national editorial columnist. You've seen some of his columns on Yahoo and CNBC, an expert in politics and national security and defense. And one of the things we spoke about in the last segment was just this Trump-Ryan strategy play and seeing how that plays out. But one of the things that I think we're playing off of right now is we're, America's in an interesting spot. And this week in particular, if you want to be paying attention, Congress is going to be debating and dealing with an area that we may miss but is really important for us, and that is some of our uh, our defense companies, in which... America has, over the course of the past few years in Obama's administration, really began to hold back their hands in being able to be leaders in the world with regards to helping our allies defend themselves with regards to coming up with the greatest technology, with regards to growing an industry in which we were once leaders in. Jake, give us a little bit as to what we can expect this week from the sector. Well, you know, the, the, what's been going on for the last several years is that 
under President Obama, we've been backing away from supporting our traditional allies all over the world the way that both Republican and Democrat administrations had in the past. And the biggest example of that is in defense, uh, supporting our allies with weapons, sometimes with, with troops, all those kinds of things. And that's very understandable from the beginning of his presidency. You know, President Obama, basically his strongest talking point and the strongest thing that really, really propelled him to the Democratic nomination was his promise to end the war in Iraq, end the war in Afghanistan, get us out of there. Uh, and of course, at that time, most of the American public by far felt that those wars were a mistake. And I think even today, most Americans feel they were a mistake. And then after he got uh, the nomination, he started really riding the tide of the economic collapse. So, but remember, to him, the most important thing was that defense, that defense change. Um, and that all sounds well and good. You know, we don't want to be in quagmires and dangerous wars. But what even most defense uh, people from the de- Democratic Party have told me, let alone the Republicans, is that in the last six years, seven years, our allies have lost faith in us. They just don't believe that, that we're there to support them in any way whatsoever. It's one thing not to send troops to support them. It's another thing not to send them the weapons. So what's going to happen this week is that the defense contractors, the major defense contractors um, in the United States, are going to go to Congress and say, look, you've got to slow down. You've got to stop this slowdown, this freeze on this very slow process that they have to go through to sell weapons and other technologies to our allies. Now, again, we don't want to sell weapons to shady allies or people who we might think might use those weapons against us one day. But these are systems and, and, and weapons that we, that we trust, that we also believe, to our allies that we trust. And it's going very, very slowly. And so it's hurting us on so many levels, Charlie. It's hurting us on a political level. We're losing the support of our allies, and our allies are seeking help elsewhere. Uh, namely China and and Russia and India for weapons. And, of course, it's hurting us economically. This is a manufacturing sector. You know, you keep hearing the Democrats and the liberals talk about manufacturing jobs and saving jobs, but their administration is killing jobs. It's making it very, very difficult. You know, um, we have... Uh, assembly lines for the F-15 in St. Louis that that we'll have to shut down unless we're able to sell some of these F-15s to some of our allies. So what, we, why are so we doing this? That's the question. Why aren't we? What is it that the administration is against? Is it just the 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 the, the role of military? Do they actually think that if we just shut down our military capacity, people are going to like start like holding hands and singing kumbaya? Like what is it that is underlying this pushback yeah, with regards well, to this area? It's one of those things where, whereas people like Bill Clinton, and we talked about Bill Clinton, the centrist, in the last segment, somebody like Bill Clinton looked at the kinds of industries that traditionally supported Republicans, the kind of voters that traditionally supported Republicans, and he felt like, you know, I can't get all of them, but I can take some of them. I can get some of them to back me. And he looked at, he looked at defense contractors in that way as well. Barack Obama has been, you know, one of the most polarizing presidents, and that's due to his own, his, his own design. He's not interested in courting his enemies. He's not interested in courting his traditional opponents or people who might be interested in supporting him. He just isn't. I mean, every speech he makes, he often spends more time browbeating uh, his opponents than promoting his ideas. Um, he does that with great regularity. So there's a, there's, a, there's a feeling, I think, in this White House that, like, well, you know, Lockheed Martin and Raytheon and those other big, big companies, they donate more to the Republicans anyway. So I don't really care about doing what they want to help them, even if it makes sense politically. Uh, and he's done like th- th- uh, things like this before on other issues, Charlie. I mean, look at the Keystone Pipeline. If, if Barack Obama had approved the Keystone Pipeline in late 2011 or even 2012, I think it would have boosted his election numbers uh, you know, in November, which turned out to be a close election, especially for a re-election, uh, considerably. But he doesn't do those things because I don't think he's interested in uniting, and, I don't, and he certainly doesn't seem to be interested in projecting American power and what under Bill Clinton we call the Pax Americana, you know, the, the, right. the peace that America maintains throughout the world. Amazing. And, and this is an amazing thing that we are 
suffering from this, I think, until at least until this point. Um, but I don't even think people understand this or people know this or people fully appreciate just what the policies of this administration have been doing just to our perception on, on in the world, to our economy, and to our friends and allies. And that, that that's going to have major implications for years to come. And we, we saw it in the Middle East. We saw it in Syria. And we're seeing it time and again as America continues to sort of erode itself. And I think that's what gives way to a demagogy type character of a Donald Trump that can just scream, make America great. And, and people can just sort of cheer around him. You know, that's exactly right. I mean, you have an administration that drew a red line in Syria and then didn't do the thing yeah. to back up that red line. That's that, that's our biggest example of that kind of thing. But there's been yeah. so many other similar examples. We had an administration that took it, took down. And Jake, we got to go to a break. We got to go to a break. But that was Jake Novak. Thanks so much for joining us here. This is the Michael Pelka show. We'll be back in a minute talking about the power of Facebook and just how big it is in the future. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I'm a professor of astrophysics, and I would like to weigh in here on this subject on which I have expertise. You hope that's what the comment section is? Or if you're the author, I'm giving you a little peek behind the curtain here. If you're the author, you hope it's, that was a great piece, and I really feel like you, you know, did a good job, or even if it's a clip, you know, well done. But usually it's, you know, I hate your face and you're stupid. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to the Mike Opelka Show. Charlie Harari filling in for Mike today. Honored to be with you again. What a intense segment we had before. For those that were joining us, we appreciate it. For those that are joining us now for the first time, welcome to the show. Uh, speaking a lot about where we're standing in the presidential election cycle, reasons for Donald Trump's rise, economic, I believe. I believe it's even when I mean economic, I don't just mean money. I mean just the entire economic environment. Reasons for that, and I think it has been the uh, manifestations of the Obama administration. And uh, the the Paul Ryan, Donald Trump, where he is moving saga that will continue to develop over the next few weeks. Hearing from Jake Novak with some wise words of wisdom. But there was something that meant that Jake mentioned in the interview that I wanted to sort of pull out and talk about a little bit at the bottom half of this hour which is, he mentioned it sort of briefly, but I thought it was a brilliant sort of nugget of wisdom about how people see history, right? We saw this week this controversy with Facebook, right? For those that are uh, unfamiliar with this, basically this publication, Gizmodo, did a um, an expose, if you will, from some of the Facebook employees and from what I understand ex-employees that spoke off the record and in 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 uh and through not by being anonymous 
that Facebook is actually curating articles that are leaning left. So what ends up happening is in the trending section of Facebook where most people get their news, which is crazy, but most people get their news there, uh, especially young people get their news. There is the way they get it is it's based on algorithms, but there, I'm sure there are things like, um, you know, spam and, you know, inappropriate things and a whole bunch of garbage that comes through as very popular things that people are seeing that Facebook probably doesn't want to promote on their site. So they have curators. They have people that actually go through it and say, this is junk, this is junk, put this up, put that up, put this up. And it came out yesterday. Um, I just saw it on in today's paper. Uh, Thursday was yesterday. It came out yesterday that, um, that Facebook actually has these guys go to like five or six news sites to see if the story is there as well. And it's like, you know, 80, 90% of the news sites are all sort of left-leaning sites. Um, and these guys or women or whoever's doing it is literally going through them and picking, you know, stories and or at least influencing the stories that get picked. And one of the things that came out was that the stories that keep on getting picked are stories that are um, much more fo- focused or favorable to the left versus the right. Now, this is a big deal for people. And I don't know why it is, to be honest. I don't know why we would think otherwise. Like, why would we expect Facebook to be any less biased than an actual news site? Like, you know, if CNN or MSNBC or Fox, for that matter, is like so clearly focused on one way, right? Like, everyone knows that these news sites are focused on what is their bias. And their job, really is to um, promote the news, right? Their job is to go out and try to be fair. People come to them and say, hey, we need you to tell me what's going on in the world. Click, right? I'm watching you. So if in the area that is supposed to be the trusted source of news is biased, why are we mad at like a tech company in Silicon Valley for being biased? And I think the answer is that we are sort of getting our heads around what is the biggest, most influential group of people in the world, right? What Jake Novak said earlier about my question with regards to why is it that conservatives are getting the raw end of the deal? Like, why is it that the conservative philosophy that has worked well for this country in the past 30 years, that has brought jobs and brought a balanced budget and brought you know economic and military superiority in the world, and we're seeing what happens with a decade of you know liberal values and where we are right now. So why isn't like the country going? Oh, okay, that was sorry. We had a little bit of sellers, you know, buyers remorse. Let's go back. And the answer that he gave is because people don't know. People aren't old enough. People don't have any history. People don't know anything about Reagan. People don't know anything about Clinton's policies. All they know about is Clinton's sex life. No one knows that you know Bill Clinton, in his professional job, was a president that went to the middle in an era that was everyone was to the left. People don't know any of the policies of George Bush. They just sort of have a couple of George Bush quotes in their heads or, or, or knocks in their head, and it's just like, you know, mission accomplished, and that's like the end of their knowledge. And they're not getting any more information because... They're going to Facebook for their news. And Facebook is providing news that is skewing towards one way. 
The reason why this is such a big deal is not because Facebook should be held to a bigger standard. It's because we are grappling with just how dominant they are. The fact that people are getting news from a social website, from a, this is supposed to be a way that you see your friend's pictures. Like Facebook is supposed to be like, you know, your cousin went to Mexico for a vacation and here are the pictures of him and his kids. And you're like, well, that's so nice. This, that's what Facebook is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the place where you put up your life. It's not supposed to be the place where you're going to get your future, where you're going to get your learning from. And now we're like, wait a second. This is where people are getting their news? And they are. This is where people are creating a perception of what reality is. We need to understand that reality really is formed based on our perception of reality. The future of our families, of ourselves, of our country is not being formed based on fact. It's being formed based on the perception of fact, on the perception of what happened, on the perception of who's right. And that perception is the most important part of it because if that perception is skewed one way, the reality changes. What do I mean? Well, we'll talk about it when we come back. You're listening to The Michael Pelka Show. This is Charlie Rari on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stu. Here are the polls of the last you know, seven or eight polls. Trump plus six, Trump plus eight. Why Cruz, do you do this? Why? Those are the outliers, Stu. Those are the outliers. That's fine. Those are the outliers. Cruz oh, plus 16. Why? Trump plus five. Why? Trump plus two. Trump plus nine. Trump plus 15. Here we were on a high. Uh, feeling well, good about it. Boy, no kidding. Accused of not giving this the, the wow. fact. Pat and Stu. Weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to the Michael Opelka Show. Charlie Harari filling in for Mike. It's been an honor to speak to you today. If you want to get some more, you can check out my podcast, Charlie Harari on the Blaze Network. Um, it's an honor to be able to talk to you. We've spoken just to close, conclude the show a little bit. We're speaking a little bit about the power of perception and reality. And one of the things that I think we need to realize in life is that reality isn't what people look at. I mean, if you think about it, what people are really moved by is the way they see reality, right? It's the perception of that reality. Anyone who's a sports fan, you know, when you watch a game, you're not just watching a game, right? You're watching a game with the frame, with the lens, with the filter, if you will, of your team. So what was once a bad call to the guy down on the couch, it's a great call. Well, that's good or bad. What is it? Well, it's not good or bad. If you're going for one team, you're going to see the world differently. You're going to see the game differently. Well, if you grow up in an environment where they teach you as a kid, go for this group of people, and they're called Democrats, or this group of people, and they're called Republicans, you're going to go through your life, and your perception is going to be skewed to hope that they win. That's just how life works. It's a bias. And that bias is sort of part of life, but what happens is, when we live in a world where that bias is all that we see, we end up ending there. 
And if you ever want to see proof of this, this is what we're going through right now. It's incredible, but this is it. You've got, and it's all happened at the exact same time. Like this is like the tsunami hitting. You've got a candidate named Donald Trump who is coming off the backs of a liberal failure in terms of the administration. And instead of going to the right, he's staying to the middle or he's staying left a little bit. And he's doing it because the country won't vote for the right candidate. Well, why not? It's because this is where we live. We live in a world where their perceptions, what people are reading, what people are digesting, what people are going, the news sources that they're getting every day is skewed towards that way of thinking. And so they don't even consider a conservative principle as an answer. They're getting their information from news sites that are skewing towards the liberal way. And so they they see the world, their perception is that this is the way. So even though we have 10 years, eight years of a liberal experiment that has largely failed, they're still going and lining up for a a socialist who's going even further off the, off the reservation. Why? It's because the digesting, they're digesting the media that is telling them, Oh, you know what it is? We're not left enough. We don't give enough things away for free. We don't take away enough things from businesses. They're all bad guys anyways, right? Isn't anyone who owns a business a bad guy? Where are people getting this from? They're getting it from their news site. They're getting their news from Facebook. They're just hearing, they're looking at it on their smartphones. And so you can literally see the future of our country being based off of whether or not, and I know this sounds crazy, but think about it, whether or not over the course of five years, Facebook is skewing left or right. Well, that can change the perception of a generation. That'll change the voting right patterns, and that'll change the future of our country. It's happening right now. It's amazing, but this is life that we live in. Social media is changing how we consume media. We're not clicking on TVs anymore. And if we are, that's not where we're getting our news from. That's where we get our reality shows from. We get our news from our smartphones, and that's coming from our social media sites. And what that means for our lives is a few things. Number one, we've got to be more vigilant about what we digest. When you're reading things, you've got to ask yourself, well, do I have another opinion that I can take? Am I hearing someone else? Am I taking in things that are making me feel good or bad? Am I... Am I, am I pushing myself to think or am I just flowing through whatever people are telling me to say or to think? It explains why people do what they do. It explains a little bit of the rationality that we think because it's coming from sources that are delivering information to people and changing their perception, the reality. But we have to understand this because this is the future. And if you can get engaged and you can do something, you can help shape people's opinions. You got to do it because if you stay quiet, during this period of time, someone else will be loud, right? And this isn't 20 years ago where in order to say something, you got to get on a radio network. Today, in order to say something, you got to have a Facebook page and you got to share content that you like. You got to have a Twitter feed and you got to share content that you like. That's going to change your family. That's going to change your community. That's going to change your environment because today we can make that difference. And we have to make that difference because that's the world that we live in today. We live in a world where our perception, the perception that we get and that we share is going to shift and shape the reality of the future. And there's no better proof than what's happening today in the elections. But it goes even further. We have to get that American dream back. We got to get back to the, I'll handle it, I'll do it, I'll take it. I'll take responsibility for my future. I don't need the government giving me stuff. I need the government getting out of my way a little bit. 
or at least creating an environment where we can be successful, not taxing me so that they can take the money and give it out and give it to some other people. It's amazing, by the way, this idea that you're going to take people, just think about it, you're going to tax people so that it'll, it'll be a, a, a worse chance of them getting employment and then give it to the people that they can pay for their bills through, through welfare. So you're sucking away their ability to feel independent. This is what's happening today. It's amazing. You're, you're giving them the money because they, they still have food stamps. You're just sucking away their chance of, of controlling and influencing their future. You're taking away the American dream out of the, out of, out of the guts and the core of our nation was once the greatest and maybe it could be one day the greatest nation in the world but individually each and every one of us need to step out of that take responsibility for our own lives not rely on other people especially not the government to give us things that they're not going to give us but to teach ourselves new skills to learn to push to take on new responsibilities to not allow ourselves to rely on others but to really take responsibility for ourselves, to shape perception, to be part of the conversation. If you can learn anything from Donald Trump, even though I'm scared of him as a president, you can learn that when you have a, an idea, go for it. You never know, right? Everyone thought he was crazy to run for president. Look where he is right now. What does that mean for me and you and our lives? It means that we all have something inside us that we can bring to the world. And most importantly, and this is the most important piece of it all, is that we can never, no matter what, ever lose hope. We can never get broken. We can never feel down. We always need to see the future being better than yesterday. Because as soon as you see the future dimmer than the past, you make irrational decisions. And that it could be from a country for a president, but that can also be two people that are married that could be a parent to a child. That could be anything. When you don't see a better future, when you don't think you can influence the future, you're going to make irrational decisions. But when you take responsibility for our lives and you work to become the people that we're meant to be, you see clearly, you make tough calls, you look for people that are going to really get you to where you want to be as opposed to just promise it to you or hand it to you, and you create a future it really is better than the past. That's how it's always been. That's how it will always be for our country and for ourselves. And who knows what it'll be in the future? Who knows what it'll be in terms of our president? But either way, just by paying attention to it, we can be smarter about it, bring it into our lives, and maybe become the people they're meant to be. This is Charlie Harari thanking you for the time and the attention. Filling in for Michael Pelka. You're listening to Puro Pelka. Have a great weekend, everybody. Michael Belka on the Blaze Radio Network.